149. You know that's a little different. We don't usually do, uh, we usually have a special that is played through the speakers on Sunday night, but we're going to start, we're going to try. And we're not going to be able to do it every week because we don't have enough groups to do it, but uh, we're going we're gonna to let a lot of different people sing on Sunday night. And um, that would be an opportunity for kids to sing in two different groups. And honestly, if you want to sing on Sunday night, let me know. He told me that. He said, me and Nate Hot, you know, I'm going to sing a song together. Yeah. So, all right, come on, Sunday night. Good chance to do it, right? Hey, and nobody's going to stand up here and make fun of you. So if you think, oh, I don't know if I can do it or not, it'll be a blessing. You know, so get your family together if you want to sing, or, you know, Bill and Diana and Mr. Ford, you guys want to form a trio. Or <laughs> so, good opportunity. Good opportunity to praise the Lord and uh, look forward to it. So, we're going to get to Psalm 149 in just a second. That is actually part of the first point that I have, but um, I'm going to give it away kind of here at the very beginning, exactly what we're talking about. Obviously, we've been talking about what I believe is why we've been talking about music. And I, this statement is is uh, pretty, I mean, it's not, it's not a, even a controversial statement, but music and dancing are very closely intertwined. Um, it's true in a limited way in scripture, even more so in popular culture, especially when it comes to rock music. You see that very present in, in rock music as well. But you think about it, for instance, you know, and I was obviously I wasn't alive when Elvis Presley was, you know, in fact, when did he die? Seventy-two. Um, 
I, I think I've, I mean, I've heard it preached on a lot in messages and things like that, but uh, if I'm ever going to preach about dancing, it might as well be right in the middle of the series on music, so that's what we're going to do tonight. So I want to lay out kind of a brief explanation of how the Bible discusses dancing, give you my position on it, and then support with some scripture, some scriptural music philosophy. So what about dancing? That's what we're talking about tonight. First of all, dancing is in the Bible. Dancing is mentioned in the Bible at least 27 different times. Um, most of those uses are positive, and we see one of those in Psalm 149, verse number 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. You see a lot of different verses that go right along with that same idea. Let them praise his name in the dance, right? But they're not all positive. For example, we see the story of the golden cat. In fact, turn over to uh, Ezekiel, or Exodus 32. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but I'm just going to read one verse. But when Moses went up onto the top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and they started coming down, and Joshua said, Man, that's the sound of, of war in the camp, right? And they got down there, and, and it turned out there was no war going on. They were dancing in front of the golden calf that Aaron had, had fashioned out of their jewelry and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, it was a demonic worship. They were worshiping a golden calf, they were worshiping a false god. And I think just from from different places that they had been, the different you know influences that they had in different cultures and everything else, they had seen this stuff taking place before, and they decided that they were going to take a part in it. That didn't have anything to do with God. Never gave them the, the okay to do that, especially when it comes to worshiping from the golden calf. But it says in Exodus chapter thirty-two and verse number nineteen, and it came to pass as soon as he came nigh in the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses his anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and breaks them beneath the mouth. By the way, you know that Moses is the greatest sinner that ever lived? You know? He broke all the same commandments at once. Not too many people can say it. You'll get it someday. But we have to we have to conclude then that, that not all dancing is right and not all dancing is wrong. So I can't make a blanket statement in relation to dancing either of condemnation or condemnation. Because we see it in the Bible. But the lack of being able to make a blanket statement about its approval or its, its disapproval doesn't mean that, that we're free to do what we want to do in relation to dance. Right. Uh, it, it means that we have to use scriptural principles and scriptural examples to inform our decision about dancing. You see, in most of those references in scripture can be Old Testament. Very little about it in the New Testament, which is the area that we live in, right? The Old Testament. Not that everything in the Old Testament is going away. Jesus Christ did away with the law, and now we live under a new testament. So, but a couple minutes ago, I said that both music and dance are intrinsically rhythmic. They're both intrinsically emotional as well. In fact, uh, turn over to First Samuel 18. But you could define dancing as the physical expression of the emotion your body is experiencing via the music you are hearing. Now, I didn't come up with that definition, but I like it. Dance. Is the physical expression of the emotion your body is experiencing via the music you are hearing. If you were to, I mean, and maybe you've seen this before, some old black and white footage of, you know, a high school dance, you know, in the 1930s or 40s, right? Or, or not even high school, just a bunch of people dancing and things like that. And especially in the 50s and 60s, it was really popular. But you see some black and white footage of this with no music in the background, and it looks really ridiculous, right? And most likely, those people would not be moving that way if there was no music playing. 
They hear the music, and that's why their bodies are moving like that. We don't hear the music, and it looks ridiculous. And they wouldn't be moving like that if there was no music going on either. So you have to say that music and dancing are intertwined. They have to be because of that. So I think this the definition, the, the physical expression of the emotion your body is experiencing via the music you are hearing, I think that definition is loosely borne out in Scripture. When David and Saul returned from a victory against the, the Philistines, the victory parade was, was a musical expression of joy of the people. First Samuel chapter 18 and verse 6. They came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines, and the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, with instruments of music. You see similar expressions by David, by Jeremiah. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Psalm chapter 30, verse 11. Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. I have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Jeremiah 31, verse 4. Again I will build thee, and thou shalt be built, O virgin of Israel. Thou shalt again be adorned with my tabrets, and thou shalt go forth in the dances of them that make merry. So that ties in, that ties in very clearly with the fact that music is an emotional language. They were using that to express their joy over what God had done for them. So dance is a logical expression of that rhythmic emotion in a physical space. So, what do I believe about dancing? Very quickly, I'm going to cover this, and then I, um, and because it's just it's just a couple of simple statements. But my position position on dancing stems largely from that definition and that understanding of what dancing really is. Assuming that all other aspects are within the scriptural grounds, the right and wrong of the dance then is determined by the right or the wrong of the emotion in you as you dance. You see, all the dancing before the Lord, right? God commanded them to dance in a lot, of, a lot of instances. So their hearts and their minds were in the right place. And I'm going to give you a lot of uh, a lot of things tonight that, that, that well, that's perfect. That allows me to go dance whenever I want to. No, it doesn't. And while I'm saying that it's okay to dance before the Lord, most dancing does not fit anywhere close into that category. You see it in a good sense, and you see it in a good and right sense in a couple of scenarios in the Bible, David dancing before the Lord out of joy, right? Michael came out there and said, you're making a fool out of yourself, and God condemned her, which I think goes a long way to worship. We're going to talk, we're going to have a, we're going to do a little series on worship as well, but I think that uh, what, a great, uh, what a great lesson God gave us when Michael came out there and judged David's motives. And God said, you don't have any right to judge somebody's motives on why they're doing what they're doing. He is, he is doing something that's good and right before me. You are the one that's going to be condemned. I didn't condemn David for his actions. He condemned Michael for her condemnation of David, right? And so, you know, who's to get somebody from jumping up and down and hollering in the church service and all this stuff? Well, number one, Bible says when all people get decently in order. And jumping up and hollering and running around in circles and laughing in the auditorium is not decently in order, but if you're hollering and praising the Lord and you're raising your hand and doing those things and you're doing it because you're genuinely trying to, to worship the Lord, you're genuinely you're, you're genuinely expressing what is in your heart to the Lord, there's something wrong with that. And who am I to say, you shouldn't be doing that, you're just doing it for attention? How do I know? Then I'm in the wrong because I'm judging your motives. Right? So I, I think that's an interesting, uh, um, not a problem, but an interesting thing that happened with David and Michael. But you see it again. There was dancing. When the prodigal son came home at the party for his return, right? And again, that's a pure form of that to express their joy. 
You also see it in a lot of instances in the bad and wrong sense of the Bible, of course. They already mentioned the one main one, but dancing in an immoral way before the golden calf. They were also expressing their emotions, right? They were doing it in a wrong way with the wrong heart, and that made it wrong. So the danger in dancing from a personal aspect is that it is so eminently physical. That's what that's what the danger in dancing is. So that's again I say that you cannot say that all dancing is wrong, but the reason that dancing would be wrong is because it is such a physical thing. If it's true that the rhythm of the music ties in with the physical side of it, the music is a large emphasis on the rhythm that will have a larger emphasis on dancing. So what we are listening to is going to have a very big impact on what we are doing with the dancing and everything else. So, uh, in, in other words, if the dance is expressing an inward emotion of lust, then, then you have to emphatically say that it's wrong. Uh, the problem is that this physical dancing can easily turn into physical sexual desire, which is where most of dancing goes. And especially the dancing that we see today, that's what it stems from, that's what it's trying to push you towards, that's what it's not even trying to hide in that dancing, right? Um, so, I, in fact, I, I think almost all the modern popular dancing is designed largely to provoke that and to, you know, to emphasize the, the, the the body's emotion of lust, it's, it's inherent in most of the music today. Because most of the music today is immoral, it's ungodly, it pushes you in that direction. And then when you just open up the floor and say, it's a free-for-all, let's play this music that's going to really emphasize that. Your thoughts, your mind, your actions, everything is going to be pushed in a physical lust uh, direction. So... Uh, as of today, and I, I went to look this up, as of today, Dancing with the Stars has produced 428 episodes. I've never watched one episode of Dancing with the Stars. I, I know what it is. I've I, uh, read things about it. I've never actually watched it. But I did read one uh, about a particular episode that was highlighted by a pastor friend of mine who was doing a, he was, he was including uh, something about dancing in a message that he was preaching or whatever else, and he came across this. He decided he was going to watch one of these episodes to see what it's about, to see you know um, what he could gain from it or whatever else. And so um, it, it, he said it had not been playing more than ten minutes when he heard the following statement that was given by a mentor to a trainee. I guess that's the way that it works. Somebody who is a dancer takes somebody who has never danced before, and I know a lot of times they do celebrities and things like that, and that's how they, I don't know how they pick their partners or whatever else. Somebody's a dancer, somebody's never danced, and they have time to train them and whatever else, and then they have conversation. I guess that's how it works. Maybe you know better than I do. But one of these was a mentor, one of these was a trainee. This is what the mentor said to the trainee. Think of your body as a stick dipped into a pot of boiling scent. Why? Because that is exactly what you are trying to accomplish when you are dancing. And that's exactly what is accomplished in almost every scenario when dancing takes place. And so that, that dancing is, is bedroom. It's, it's expressing the inward emotion of lust in the heart. And that violates the Ten Commandments. It violates everything that we see in um, the um, holiness of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus addressed that very thing at the root cause of it. That's the expression of it. The root is a lot deeper than that. It goes a lot farther than that. And, and so people, you know, people use all kinds of excuses for why it's okay for them to dance. Some people say, well, 
nothing wrong with slow dance on a Friday night down at the BFW Hall, right? Dance is almost always, and, and, and I say almost always, I really think I can probably say always, but just because there might be one exception somewhere here or there, dance is always accompanied by immoral music. So they're not going to fail to influence you morally in the wrong direction. You're telling me that you can spend the night hugging somebody else's wife with this immoral music playing in the background and, and not be moved in any direction. If you, if you can say that, then I'll tell you emphatically, you're lying, because you are going to be moved physically in one direction or another. You cannot spend time hugging and, and being close to somebody else's wife. And okay, uh, you know, another excuse. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. I, I, I'm going to get to that in a second, but turn over to Matthew chapter 5, because the bar for sin is not just the act of adultery. Right? Well, I didn't actually commit adultery, uh, yet I was, you know, I was, I was really moved in that direction in my mind and everything else, but I didn't do it. So it's technically it's okay to cross that line. Sin is first the thought of sin, right? And I just mentioned a couple minutes ago that that's exactly what Jesus was addressing in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, he said, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman that lusts after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It doesn't even take a physical touch. It doesn't even take the, you know, the, the closeness and all of that stuff, okay? It, all it takes is a look and a lustful thought and a look for it to be sin. You cannot get a bunch of people together, and I'm telling you, most people are not dressing up in these big full gowns that are filled up to the neck and, you know, uh, sleeves all the way down to their, to their, uh, their wrist and, and a dress on all the way down to their ankle that's nice and, you know, flowing and whatever else. No, when you're doing these things, they're form-fitting, you're, you're, you're out there trying to do that kind of stuff, right? You're trying to make it physical. And that's what happens. Okay, whether you touch a person or not, it starts well before that when you cross that line. Then it's also just as much in a physical context that, that is stimulating me and it comes short of the actual act. First, first Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 1 says, Now concerning the things where he wrote of me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Good for a man not to touch a woman. Right? Why is that? Because God knows what happens when physical touch takes place. Right? There's a reason why uh, why you feel uh, physically moved when you touch another person. And God knows that. That's, that's the way that it is. So you stay away from that. Right? Guys should be hanging on the girls. Girls should be hanging on the guys. Same thing. I mean, it's, I mean this is this doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about tonight, but it fits right in here with this context. When it comes to dating, right? Don't want to be hanging all over the person you're dating. If, if you're not married, get your hands off another man's future. Right? right? It, it shouldn't belong to you until you're married. Stay away from each other. Right? And, and it's just it's just a good principle across the board because a touch is all it takes many times. And, that, and, 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 and all it takes is provoking a lustful thought for it to be sin. That's exactly what Jesus said. Whosoever looketh on him the lust after has already committed adultery in her heart. Right? Well, I was working some of the Ten Commandments. But I'm telling you one thing. I've never committed adultery. You ever looked at a woman with lust? Then you could, you've broken that commandment too. Because it's in the heart. Everything starts in the heart. And I think that's where we, we go all the way back to the broad spectrum of what dancing is. Right? And whether dancing is right or wrong, it is what is the emotion that you are feeling when you are expressing yourself in that dance. I 
feel emotional gratitude to God. I'm in my house. I'm just, ah, fine. Great. Go do it. There's nothing wrong with that. You go out to a dance and you're doing a line dance and you've got your arm around somebody else's wife and you're doing all this kind of stuff together and you're feeling anything. And you're going to, if you're in that situation, then it's wrong. Other people say, well, my, my dancing doesn't, doesn't involve touching. We stay apart from each other, right? We're not physical and unclosed and all this stuff. But are those dances being performed to immoral music? Yeah, 99% of the time they are, right? During the dancing, you watch other people. And, 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 and honestly, it, it, it's designed to be physically stimulating, right? Are the outfits that you or the other people are wearing to the dance immodest, suggestive? Yeah, almost every single one of them is, right? Why is it that every year when prom rolls around, there's this big controversy about, well, what can they wear, what, not, what can they not wear? How close can they get to that line? Because People go to prom wearing basically nothing, and then they go out there on the dance floor with teenage hormones and teenage emotions and expect that nothing's going to happen. I mean, these people that are letting this stuff happen are fools when they allow this to go on. Yeah. How do you expect that nothing's going to happen physically? When you are putting all of the pieces together, it's like it's like putting all the pieces together with cake and then sticking it in the oven and saying, well, I, I'm just, I don't think a cake is actually going to come up. You put all the pieces together, you stuck it in there so it can bake, it's going to make a cake out of it, right? And that's exactly what's happening with all these other things. Now, you know, oh, it's prom. I mean, every kid has to go to prom. I didn't go to prom. You know what? I made it just fine. I lived. My kids are not going to go to prom. They don't they go to Christian school, it doesn't do prom anyway. But they're not going to do prom. I don't need that. I don't need them losing their their uh, their virginity or any of those kind of other things because they went to some dance that turned them in the wrong direction, put their mind in the wrong place, put them in a in a position to have to make a difficult choice when they should have never been in that position in the first place. Right. So there's a lot of you know excuses that people would come up with, you know, but I don't buy the whole but we aren't touching each other line. It's just as it's just as suggestive, it's just as wrong because it starts in your mind. And it's and it's just because it never made itself physically and it made it it made it through the eye gate. Whosoever look at that a woman, the lust after her committed adultery was already in the But other people say, well, dancing is good exercise. I'm sure that I'm sure it is. I'm sure dancing is good exercise. But somebody's driving in and out of the windows, dropping people on the second floor, it doesn't make it right. <laughs> There's a lot of things that you can say that are good exercise that are wrong. And just because, oh, dancing is a good exercise, go find something else that's a good exercise, right? You don't need to be physically stimulated to sin in your mind to get good exercise, right? What's that? That's right. Go do something else. You know, there's lots of ways to get good exercise that don't involve any more music and don't have a high potential for both of those things to get involved. But having said all that, bear in mind that I've also said that not all dancing is um, it, it cannot be because the Bible is very clear. And there are good examples of it in the Word of God, especially in a worshipful context. So let's talk about it in a worshipful context. What about dancing in church? More and more, in an effort to be relevant, uh, artistically expressive, these contemporary churches are including some type of dancing in their worship services. And I understand why music and dance are closely related. And church services are full of music. Churches are full of artistic people who are trying to express um, in an artistic way 
their uh, love for the Lord in ways that they know best. And so I'm not saying that, that all these people are setting out purposely to, you know, to be wrong in the service, but, but it lends itself, that, that mindset lends itself very easily to the justification of, in, in, uh, of um, in interpretive movements or artistic expressions in worship. And a lot of churches have dance kings, believe it or not. They get up there, and as they're playing this music and beating on the drums and everything else, they're expressing themselves in this artistic way. We're praising the Lord with dance. The Bible says, praise the Lord with dance, right? The justification is always there. We looked at that example already. You dance before the Lord. So we're going to dance before the Lord in something well with that. But I have zero problem with, with somebody that has a joyful dance before the Lord, um, like the Jews were known for. It's a joyful dance before the Lord versus this sexual type of dance. But I don't think either one of them is appropriate in a church. Worshipful dance before the Lord, or obviously the other type of dance. Why? Because the church service is not really worship service. We've talked, we, we've talked about this, and I, and I don't want to get into it um, too deeply because we're going to spend some time talking about this. But what John Dave said it this way The stubborn truth is that the church service is not designed for purpose to produce worship. God does not live in a building. You do not need to go to a geographical location to meet with him. As a matter of fact, there's not a single public worship service discussed, exemplified, commanded, or instructed in the New Testament church age. The only reason we have entwined the two so closely are tradition and lazy hermeneutics. There are lots of preaching services, but zero worship services. And I, I think that's a very interesting take on it. I, I, I do think there's something to be said for that. Um, and like I said, we're going to do a longer series on worship in, in the future, but when you have a misunderstanding of worship, it's going to produce a wide variety of uh, mistakes that we see in contemporary America's approach to church. I think that's one of the reasons why they use the contemporary Christian music. We're worshiping the Lord, and, and you hear some of that music, and all oh, the drums, and the beat and all that kind of stuff, sometimes it can it can lift that emotion up in you, right? And you say, Oh, that's good, that's so good. But but it's 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 mostly a purely emotional thing. Right. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with emotion in church, but but suffice suffice it to say that man is one of those mistakes. One of the mistakes that we make when we uh, are misunderstanding what church is actually about, what church is actually Yes, David David before the Lord. But church service is not about appearing before the Lord. It's not about worship, it's about edification. See when, when we get our when we get our theology and our practice um, of what we ought to be doing in, in the New Testament church from the Old Testament, we make a mistake. There was no church in the Old Testament. The church did not start until you get into the New Testament age. And people debate back and forth. Some people say it started, you know. When, when Jesus Christ said, Thou art Peter, upon this rock, and only myself, I'll build my church. I'm not saying that Peter was the first pope, but that, that's when the church started. Some people say the church started at Pentecost. Some people say the church started when Jesus went back up to heaven. Regardless of what your opinion is about that, the church started in the New Testament. It did not start in the Old Testament. So, as members of a New Testament church, we have to realize that our religion, Christianity, has its roots in the Old Testament, but we also realize that the Old Testament is not normative. For how we conduct the church service, right? When's the last time we built an altar and sacrificed an animal down here in the front? We've never done that because that's how they did their worship in the Old Testament. But we don't do that anymore because we're not in the Old Testament. Jesus did away with that. We're in the New Testament. So we have to base what we do in church 
and how we run our church services, not on the Old Testament, but on the New Testament. Again, a huge number of the, of the instances of dancing that we see in the Bible are in the Old Testament. And that's the way that they did it back then. But the church wasn't even imagined in the Old Testament. But yes, men worship the Lord then. Men worship the Lord now. There's a very clear evidence of uh, a clear and evident shift in that worship in the New Testament. And I agree. You know, you can show me worshipful dance in the Old Testament, but you can't show it in the New Testament. There is no example of worshipful dance in the New Testament. You don't see dancing before the Lord like they did. You don't see dancing before the Lord like the ladies and that were uh, rejoicing over the victory over the Philistines. You don't see that in the New Testament. You don't see that anywhere in the New Testament. So the, the bulk of the reasoning against involving dance in church service is not just the argument of silence. You can't say, well, it doesn't say not to do that. There's nothing mentioned about it, right? So I guess it's okay. So it's, it's based on the understanding that the church service is not a worship service. Church is not about expressing in an artistic and entertaining way your worship of the heavenly Father. Now, we sing. We, we use those, those habits. Use the voices to bring our hearts closer together to the Word of God, to give us what the message is from the Word of God. But it's about preaching in, in the New Testament church. It's about pointed preaching that confronts us personally and corporately as a church and, and transforms men and women and boys and girls into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what church is about. Right? So when your underlying grasp of how and why church is supposed to be done is wrong, and when your spiritual culture rejects uh, separation from the world, and sooner or later you're going to, you should expect that dancing is going to show up in church. Right? Because the, the wrong understanding of what church is about, the wrong uh, or lack of desire to separate from the world, allowing those things into the church, and of course they're going to be put, those two, those two things are going to be put together. And when it does, it's wrong. So, Let's summarize this in conclusion and we'll be done. Dancing is the physical expression of the emotion your body is experiencing through music. That's the definition of what dancing is. But dancing is not right or wrong inherently. Just because you dance does not mean that it's wrong. You have to look at it in the context. It's right when your emotions are right and the other aspects surrounding it meet the scriptural conditions, which would be the physical appearance, music, all of those things, right? All of those things must be right. You want to slow dance with your wife in the living room, then by all means, go slow dance with your wife in the living room. That's the right content. That's the right setting, right? Is, is it going to uh, provoke a physical emotion? Yes, but it's okay. It's your wife. You should be physically moved by each other, right? You should be. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But when you move it outside of that context and you're doing it, in a church setting, or in a, a ballroom setting, or in any other setting, then it's, it's not right. It's wrong when your emotions are wrong, or the other aspects surrounding it violate that scriptural teaching. The music is not right. The dress is not right. Any other thing about it is not right. Then it violates that scriptural principle, and we can't stay away from it. Because of that, dancing has no valid part in a church service. But very, very few dances. I don't know if I can say that I've ever danced before the Lord. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a real emotional person. Um, I don't get emotional one way or the other very often. Uh, I mean, there's been plenty of things that have gotten me excited about things of God and things like that, but I don't know if I can say that I've ever danced before the Lord, right? And so when I 
99 percent of dancing is wrong because you know there might be that one percent out there that does do that dancing before the Lord, and that's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine because the emotions are right, the setting is right, not violating other scriptural principles, right? But 99 percent of dancing is not done in the right setting. It's not done in a way that's not violating scriptural principle. It's not done in a way that's not provoking the lustful desires, it's not done. And so it's wrong. So, you know, you, you can look back through those through all those different passages. You can at least very easily find all the passages that talk about dancing and why. But I think you'll come to the same conclusion if you go back and look at all of those instances again. Is it wrong to dance before the Lord? No. Wrong to dance with your wife? No. But just by the other context, it's probably wrong because of the emotions that are involved, because of the other elements. Are not going to be right when it counts. So hopefully that's a, hopefully that, that it gives you a little bit of an explanation and gives you something to stand on when you're talking. We've always said, oh, I can drink, I'll smoke, I'll dance, I'll why? You know, most people don't know why you do this. So hopefully that'll give you a little bit of an explanation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for having me to this. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us to be a part of this. This church and this work that you're doing here. And God, I pray that you help us as much as we know how to be right and to be in line with the Word of God. And where our principles and our values don't line up with